I can simply be the fan that's fanning the flames and kind of letting other people take the credit, other people like have the ideas and grow them and execute on them and simply amplify what everyone else is doing. Hi, I'm Nils Vinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Melissa Brown. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. So great to be here. And thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, Melissa. We're going to get into our backstory and history in just a minute. But for right now, would you share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you work for? Yes, absolutely. I am currently the director of client strategy at a company called Attentive. While called director of client strategy, it's essentially customer success, just with a different name. I had to polish it up a little bit. Client strategy, I like that. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun. So Melissa, we got together several years ago when you were just hired as the director of customer success at an early stage company and you joined my coaching program and want to go back in time and talk a little bit about some of the things that were going on when you joined that organization because there was some things in place. There were some things you needed to optimize. But as a leader in that company, what was that initial entrance into that world like from you know your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So when I actually joined that company, the leadership kind of proposed that I work with a leadership coach and offered me that resource, which I was super grateful for especially because we were essentially building out the CS org at the company. We wanted to have a high focus on retention. And I was the first CS leader that was really coming on board to kind of build out and create a well-oiled machine or a CS system at the company. Through connections, they spoke highly of you and recommended that I have a meeting with you. And so I remember when we first connected, I was super excited about all of the resources that you had and just Your overall approach and perspective on CS was really interesting to me. I really personally appreciated that you use a lot of frameworks and had a a systematized way to develop not only in the world of CS, but also in leadership as a whole. I know early on, we used to talk about all sorts of things related to management and how to build out a really successful team. And so I think in our first conversations and knowing that I had this amazing resource available, I was super excited to join so that I had someone to kind of walk through this journey with me in building out the CS org and making sure that it was successful. Awesome. Well, it was an absolute blast. I mean, I remember our first conversation really well also. And I remember being thoroughly impressed with your background and your resume and the the projects and things you had led and the roles that you had held and, you know, just the fire and passion that you had. Like it was 
it was average was not good enough, right? You always excelled in everything you did. And I said, hey, if we get a chance to work together, that's exceptional because as a leadership coach, one of the most important things is who you're coaching has to have the drive and passion. Everything I have, this whole structured approach and everything that I do is completely useless if the individual on the other end doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Right. And you always took incredible control of everything. You brought questions and challenges to the table. You were always pushing the envelope. And I was thoroughly impressed with every single thing that you did in the year and a half plus that we, you were in the program with me and we worked together. So, so thank you for the opportunity to work <laughs> with you. I'm <laughs> blushing. There's so many kind words thrown my way. I really appreciate that. It's not often, right? There's, there's so much that goes on in these roles and there's so much pressure from so many different areas. Right. But to see through it, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about just how it was like to gain your footing and, and how you leverage the coach on the outside of your organization to make sure you were doing the right things and go in the right direction. Yeah, totally. I think the biggest thing is, and as you know, with my background, I've had a variety of different experiences at different levels of companies. Currently, the company I'm at is much larger and further on in the startup journey than the previous company I was at. And so Joining a smaller company where it's, you know, less than 50 people, there is a ton of ambiguity in joining as a leader from the outside versus being promoted within like you are at some other companies. And so thinking through, okay, how do I join this team and work directly with the co-founders to build out a successful program where a lot of processes haven't been established yet. We haven't really figured out who our target customer is yet. We're kind of working on defining that ICP, for example. The biggest thing that that we worked on that had, I think, really large impact at the company was how to perceive CS at the organization. So how do we make customer success something that the entire organization thinks about? And how do we connect you know, every touch point from marketing to sales and gain influence for customer success throughout the entire company and have it reverberate so that it really does become a company-wide mission and company-wide focus and priority versus just the customer success department, which is getting customers after they've been signed on. Working through that ambiguity and having to, A, join a team where I'm kind of adopting team members that I have to gain the trust of and learn their strengths and start to coach and develop them in a way that's different from their norm, which is very entrepreneurial, working directly with the co-founders, doing kind of whatever is needed to solve the problem or, or make things happen. Things like that, I think I benefited tremendously from working with you and, and going through this coaching program and, and working with the other leaders in the program and hearing their experiences. Because I could have gone through and tested a bunch of stuff and tried out, you know, tried different methods based on what I've experienced in the past. But I think the big benefit for me was having the affirmation that the ideas that I'm bringing to the table, for example, if there was a challenge that I was I was struggling with or or something that needed to be created, I could bring that idea to the table in our group and talk through what I was thinking and then have you validate that, oh, this is exactly what you should do or, or maybe consider this other route that might be more effective. And I got the collective experience of the group plus your expert guidance that made me feel confident that what I was executing on once I executed on it was actually the right thing to do and would get me the results that we were all looking for at the organization. Love it. I remember many of those discussions. So many. 
the key, you know, feeling I want to drill into there is what you said there. It made me feel confident. And right. And maybe you can share what the level of role that feeling confident played in your ability to now establish CS as a one, a critical function, but also build trust with the team and begin to figure out how CS could tie into every part of the org instead of being this one off um, group of people over here that did stuff with customers post-sale. On a personal note, I've struggled with imposter syndrome pretty much my entire career. It's always been a thing. And I think that's a result of being very ambitious and striving to get into roles and take on challenges that I'm unfamiliar with, but I really want to try out. So that was a big piece of it is the confidence helped me deal with the imposter syndrome and feeling like, okay, the ideas that I have, the experiences I have are valid. And they actually are going to move us in the right direction. So from a personal standpoint, that was really helpful. From an organizational standpoint, I think the big thing is when being at a, a smaller company, I'm able to make things happen quickly. Like I, I was able to think of an idea, get buy-in from you know a small group of people and execute on it, see immediate results and be able to move quickly and iterate every decision that I made had to kind of be impactful in moving us in the right direction. Otherwise, everyone would feel like we're chasing 10 different chickens at one time, all within a month. And having too much change in different directions for a very small team like that, when everything's moving at hyperspeed, really isn't effective in building that trust and making sure that people feel confident in my vision and my direction and you know what I've established with the co-founders and where we want to go as a company. So I think the confidence there was huge because you kind of got to see the bigger picture as as our coach in knowing, okay, I've seen this several other times at other companies. I've built this out. I know what those pitfalls are. I know the traps that you can fall into and I know what actually works well. Having that confidence allowed me to have conversations with the co-founders where I'm pitching ideas and saying, hey, I, I think this is the right move. And... I have other examples to back it up and I can kind of anticipate what the impact will be and what success metrics are tied to whatever idea I'm pitching because I have proof from other examples of other companies. Whereas if I was just going you know, to them with an idea on a direction we should take or how we should define our ICP, for example, if it was just an idea for me, I mean, I was a leader, a CS leader at a company previously, but that was one experience. And so how many different scenarios have I seen this play out to which I can say, oh, I've done it 100 times this way and it failed. I've done it 100 times this way and it succeeded. So I'm confident that these are the right steps to take. That's a really interesting point. And that level of confidence comes from understanding the breadth of experience, not only of yourself and the ideas that you have, but also from other people. And this is where kind of the wisdom of the group and that you're involved with from a coaching and leadership perspective is critical because you don't have to have, you know, been in all those situations. You don't have to have spent a decade leading CS teams in order to make a confident decision if you can tap into people who have had that experience already and shared the good, the bad, and the ugly about the potential that you were going to do. But what I loved that you always did was you always brought a challenge to the table and always said, here's what I'm thinking. Where am I wrong? What am I missing? What are the key pieces or how should I look at this? What are the possible ways that you would look at this and kind of rip this apart? 
just so that you would get all of that experience from myself as well as the other group members and be able to turn that into something that's, okay, well, now this is almost as good as my own experience, right? Oh, 100%. I learned through that experience that there's no need to reinvent the wheel every time, even though I love to build and I love to create and be innovative. If I'm dealing with a certain challenge, guaranteed so many other people have as well. And there were also a lot of times where someone else in the group would bring it up a challenge or come to the table with an idea. And it seemed so irrelevant to what I was doing because maybe we were at a different stage of company or maybe it was a situation that I hadn't come across yet. But what was interesting was I always found value in what they shared because there was always something that I could tie back to my experience. There was always something relatable to the challenges that they were talking about. And whatever the situation was, it was either something I had just dealt with, something I'm currently dealing with, or something I can bet that I will be dealing with in the next couple of weeks. So that was always really helpful. <laughs> it was fascinating that you hear it and you're like, well, that's not really that important. And then you make a note and you're like, okay, interesting. And then all of a sudden, like two weeks later, you're like, wait a second, how did this become the most important? We just talked about that. I got to go back to my notes and feathers. Right? You plant the seeds and, and all those pieces are there. That's awesome. I remember a few times where that happened and it's like, oh, you, you were dealing with this like a few weeks ago. Like, can we rehash or, or kind of like talk through what worked and what didn't based on the recommendations that were made at the time, which also created like a fun feedback loop for us to revisit the recommendations that were made or the ideas that were presented. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love those because what an idea looks like or a strategy looks like one week, the next week it could look completely different, even though it's the exact same thing because you've changed, the org has changed, something in circumstances have changed. And no matter what, you can always look at one particular idea or strategy from many, many different angles. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to see things from a different perspective, but then you can take it in and be like, now I understand exactly where to use this or I understand how to make this happen next. So that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, you know, as part of the you know, coaching world, and we focused a lot on coaching skills. And as you shared, I had, you know, lots of experience and kind of uh, the examples to share of situations I had been in and ideas and thoughts on the types of challenges you were facing and how to go about them, et cetera. So I provided a fair amount of guidance there. But what also was key for me as being a leadership coach is that there was a lot of times when I deliberately did not have the answer and instead would ask you powerful questions to help you discover what the right answer was for you when we're talking about risks, when we're talking about how to present something to the rest of the company, we're talking about how to engage your team in the most meaningful way. Because there were some things that you know my experience would be helpful with, but then there's others where I don't understand what it's exactly like inside of your organization, inside of your team. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how the balance between you know, getting the advice, but also getting the questions to really focus and develop something that is unique and 100% specific to you. Yeah, that's a great question. The first thing that comes to mind, because it was so tangible and helpful, like in terms of the structured side of things, was when we talked about how to leverage like the rocks and the tasks, because at such a small company, there are so many competing priorities. And I'll never forget this, but you, you always talked about how the things that I was focused on at the director level were very different than the things that the co-founders would be focused on or the CEOs focused on flying at you know 10,000 feet or whatever it is. 
and I would need to leverage these rocks and tasks and break things up into, you know, chunks in order to get buy-in on certain initiatives that I wanted to push forward. So that that was one like very tactical thing that like tactical guidance that I think was helpful in terms of like the structured way of going about things. But in terms of the things where maybe it was more deep dive into questions, I always appreciated that the first thing you did was ask questions, even if it was a challenge that I'm sure you knew exactly where I was going with it. I think you always asked coaching questions that led me down a path of thought to actually consider the core of why I wanted to do something or why something was a challenge, whether that was dealing with, you know, management situations in like building a team, you know, if if I had a situation where I felt like I didn't completely have trust with one of my new team members, and I needed to find a way to re-engage them and find a way to motivate them so that they felt excited about their job and didn't get burnt out. You know, there were a series of questions that you would ask that really got me to think about, okay, well, where are these symptoms coming from? Or are these outcomes coming from? And I'm trying to think of how you broke it down. It's kind of like magic when it happens, when you experience it, but I'm sure you have a framework in your head about it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow you would simply say that you don't have the answer and you would ask me question after question. And I could tell that you were guiding me through a path of thought that maybe you didn't know the outcome of either. But what ended up happening was I would get to a point where the answer was so clear and I, I didn't know how we got there. But then thinking back through the list of questions, it kind of made sense. I think at the end of the day, it's just like you were just very present and very in tune and attentive with whatever situation we were dealing with. That was very empowering, actually, for me. There were several instances where dealing with this imposter syndrome was a thing that I was grappling with for a, a while. And In those moments, it made me realize, oh, maybe I did have the answer all along kind of thing, or maybe I could arrive at the answer on my own. And I think those were big moments. Like that was definitely a moment of growth in terms of my leadership as well. And so thank you for helping me get there. My pleasure. And you kind of captured what the essence of coaching really is all about. It is, it is a bit of a magic process. There is a structure to it. And I teach this in the B2B Leaders Academy and have helped lots of people. And we had many discussions about how to use the same coaching skills I used with you with your team. And you did an excellent job of bringing those coaching skills into your team to ultimately build some incredible relationships that would have been, you know, potentially diminished or, or suffered as a result of making too many assumptions or staying in the, you know, I'm the boss seat. And instead, you know, clearing the decks and saying, I, I do not have the answer, right? And sometimes that's a big, powerful question around how do I do X? And the first thing, you know, a lot of people think is, well, if I don't know, then do I even belong to be here? And my you know, recommendation is if you don't know, that's wonderful. Because <laughs> when you don't know the answer, the only thing you can do is be present, listen, and ask powerful questions. And if you do those things really well and you get some tools and tactics, like I, you know, shared with Melissa and like I share in the B2B Leaders Academy, you 100% can be successful in having coaching conversations and empowering the other person, just like Melissa said. Like it was a feeling of empowerment. That is the ultimate end result of a coaching conversation. And when you help people feel differently, they will respect you and look at you in a completely different way because you had a different conversation than they have in every other instance of their life virtually. 
right? And that's, that's the true power of coaching. That's what I love so much. And I think the powerful thing about not knowing the answer, which this was a big shift for me when, when we were going through that coaching program is it's okay to not know the answer. And you're right. It does put you in this like beautiful place. I think for me, it really put me in a place of curiosity where because I didn't feel like I had to know everything or I didn't feel like I had to have the answer all the time, it allowed me to switch my mindset to let me get curious about this situation and let me see what might come of it. Like, what does this other person think? Because coming in as a new leader, of course, everyone knows more about the company, has that industry knowledge or just like from having tenure at the company, like knows the ins and outs of it a lot better. I believe that the greatest ideas can come from anywhere and they probably have a good sense of what would work and what didn't. So that was a really powerful shift because it it opened up a lot of opportunity for everyone to contribute in a major way. Yeah. And, And the best part is back to the imposter syndrome feeling is that if you don't have the answer, there's no possible way you can be wrong. <laughs> that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate that true. psychological trick. If you, and if your imposter is saying, I should have all the answers, I should be at this level, I should be able to do this, right? And as Tony Robbins says, be careful, you might should all over yourself, right? Take a step back, accept that maybe in this situation, you don't know the answer, but if you don't, then you have to be curious and Treat your situation just like you showed up on day one at the company. Because as you said there, that's actually one of the most important times that anybody has in their tenure with any company is that first critical, probably, you know, 30 to 90 or 120 days where the only thing that you do is ask questions because you literally know nothing (laughs) about the inner workings of the team, the company, the clients, the situation, sales, marketing, the whole thing, whatever. So it's always okay to ask questions and people are like, ask me anything, that's totally fine. But then there comes this transition point, I think where people like most leaders get their, you know, get their feet grounded and kind of feel like they know what's going on. And then for some reason, the, a lot of the questions that were really important before and that technique just completely kind of falls aside. And it's like, well, I've been here now. Now I know how things work. I'm just going to run it my way. When the contrary side is, you know, keep that open mind and keep that mindset that you don't have the answers and it will serve you well, no matter how tenured you are at the company. Right. That's still something I'm working on, actually. Our current SVP who joined, he joined and and said something that really resonated with me. I just like really respected this perspective. He came in and said, you know, I have a lot of experience, obviously, and it's hard for me not to have a bunch of ideas. And he's like, but, you know, I have a lot of cute ideas, but chances are someone else has already thought about that. Like you guys have been doing this for a while. You probably already had those ideas and there's a reason why either it worked or it didn't work. And so he's emphasized that he's staying in that place of, of wanting to learn as he joins on, which I really respected. That's a mistake I've made in the past for sure. Thinking that, oh, you know, I, I have all these ideas. I'm going to come in and, and try to implement them all. And it really took stepping back and understanding that like, you should trust the team that you're adopting. The team that you're, you're joining, they, they know a lot and they have a lot of really great ideas. And trying to come in and just insert yourself or like execute on your ideas as a leader would result in not really having full buy-in from the team. And I think that's something I had to learn the hard way. But getting that buy-in and like listening to your people and understanding, you know, what they've tried or what they haven't tried, what they're thinking, what their ideas are, it definitely gets them more invested in the outcome in the first place. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. 
We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. And that's a really interesting transition point because I do want to understand what, you know, the role you played at the earlier stage company and the smaller organization as director was, you know, as you said, like you were in charge of everything and execution was from idea to buy-in to execution to result was an extremely quick cycle. And you were iterating on that almost every single week. But now you joined a much larger organization a little while ago and would love to you know, hear what is your you know, experience like as a director inside of a much larger organization and what have been some of the things that you, know, you were able to carry over from the smaller company, but some of the things that you had to evolve as a leader now in this larger organization. There's like a personal side of it and then a professional side of it. From the personal standpoint, I joined this company and I've been kind of like wrestling with this idea of, oh, I'm just a manager at this company because it's a much larger organization. There's more hierarchy. I report to a VP who reports to the CCO. Well, now it's the SVP and then the CCO. And there are just a lot of different departments that at my previous company didn't exist or didn't exist. From a personal standpoint, I've been kind of wrestling with this concept of what does it mean to be a leader at a large organization? Like, am I just a manager or, or how can I reinvigorate and reinstill that leadership that I want to have at this company, even though there are multiple layers? So that's been an interesting shift. And I think in doing the reflection and thinking about how I can bring that leadership back in and another conversation with you, of course, has been helpful. You always talk about how you really need to be the CEO of your own career and that's also something that I'm, I'm considering now, you know, even though I'm considered a manager, you know, I'm a director, but really it's, it's managing people versus driving forward or building out an organization. I can kind of take that mentality and, and build out my own little organization with my team because I do have the autonomy to run it how I want to set goals, set visions. Of course, they need to be in support of the larger business goals. But I do have some some freedom and flexibility there to kind of shape the team to be how I would like it to be. I've become re-inspired about this, and I'm super excited about bringing that sense of leadership back into my role. And I know it's possible because I'm already starting to see the effects of it. You know, when we talk about getting buy-in and asking questions with the team, I was talking to my team lead the other day and floated an idea by him around in line with this, how do we bring leadership back into my role? This idea of creating like a think tank within our our pod or our team, because everyone has different strengths. And what I realized was we were kind of getting into this everyday just maintenance mode of, you know, clients need things. You're reactive and you're going to serve the clients without really having certain milestones or benchmarks or like feeling like the sense of we're building something, even though we are. It's all a perception thing, right? And so I floated this idea of how can we have each of our team members bring their unique strengths to the table and brainstorm together 
to optimize the programs and the experience for, for our top 10 clients, let's say, because everyone is working in silos, especially because we're remote. How can we bring that all together and kind of raise the tide for everyone? And he immediately was like, oh, I, I've been wanting to do this for like two years. Like I've pitched it to a couple other people and because he recently moved to my team as a team lead. And he was like, I'm, I'm so into it. Like, yes, 100%. And then I asked him, you know, like, how do you think this would play out? Like, what, what do you think would be the best way to, to execute on this? And he had an amazing idea, you know, splitting out into breakout groups and having it be a live call and, you know, leveraging each person's strength within these breakout rooms and then actually sharing together so that no one's voice gets kind of lost in the crowd. And I thought that was amazing. And so that was like a really great example of now we're going to, you know, do this whole think tank exercise. It'll bring our team together. And it just gets me excited again about like leading the team because we're actually going to be leaning into each person's strengths and maximizing the opportunities we have on our team. So that's been really fun. And that's kind of the personal side of things. That's wonderful because it's also a perfect example of using coaching skills and not having the answer. You had an idea that one, we got to infuse a little bit more energy back back into this and because we can get into a rut and everybody has the potential to do that. But two, I mean, you could have said, well, here's my idea team. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set this up. Here's the meeting. We're going to do this and this. And then your team lead might have looked at you and said, I've been trying to do this for two years. Did you read my internal notes doc and like take everything out that I just said? Right. Instead, you asked the question, you floated the idea. And then when you saw the enthusiasm and excitement in that individual, then you asked the question, well, what do you think would be the best way to help facilitate this? And that's a wonderful, powerful, open-ended question. And all of a sudden, boom, he had tremendous ideas and already had a map because he'd been wanting to do this for so long. So you tapped into something inspiring inside of him. And now you're giving him and this opportunity to bring everybody together around this think tank concept, you know, the light of day. And that is a wonderful example of your job was identifying the you know potential area that we need to focus on, finding out who else has had ideas about this and then fostering the development of those ideas because you didn't have the answer. So well done. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. I think in the past, and this is probably driven by imposter syndrome is like, I felt like I needed to have all the answers and have all the ideas. Being able to let go of that and like trust my team and know that they actually have the best ideas. I mean, another example is in a conversation with one of my CSMs, she's like, I'm feeling burnt out. Like I'm getting to that point where we have so many resources, but they're kind of difficult to navigate. And, you know, it's really weighing on me. And so that led to a conversation of asking and digging in and and using the skills that you've taught me to really get to the core of like, where is that coming from? Why is that the case? And that led to her sharing an idea actually that she had for how we could, she's super strategic. That is like definitely one of her strengths. And so she had this idea for how we could create like a bulletin board just for our team and have links to all of our resources. And she mentioned that she really valued like having concrete focus areas, like four or five concrete focus areas, of course, leaned into that and was like, that is an abs- that's a great idea. I love that. And so quickly whipped something up, shared it with her, asked her for her thoughts. And she's like, this is exactly the answer, shared it out with the team and everyone was super excited about it. And that idea was not something that I would have probably come up with. It, it was like living in her head because of her pain points or her experience. What I've learned is if I can let go of that need to have all the ideas and answers, 
I can simply be the fan that's fanning the flames and kind of letting other people take the credit, other people like have the ideas and grow them and execute on them and simply amplify what everyone else is doing. That's such a perfect example of what great leadership looks like. You're not coming to the table with all these ideas. You found the challenge as a result of your conversations and discussions and the frustration. Unfortunately, this person had to get to the point of burnout, maybe to even surface that idea, right? And there's opportunities to dig in deeper, but it came up and then you recognized it as, hey, well, let's, you know, whether you knew it consciously or not, you figured out a way to empower her to make a change, to be excited about a project that would totally change the way she looked at her work and probably felt an awful lot more fulfilled as a result of contributing to herself and the team in something that was extremely frustrating before, right? Totally. And that metaphor of, of fanning the flames of others is a wonderful one. I think that's, I might have to, I might have to use that. I'll give you full credit, but that's, that's exactly what it's all about, right? It's not about you. And as you said, if you can let go of needing to have all the answers, let go of being the one that needs to be in the center of the attention and just support the growth and development and fan the flames of the others. People will, number one, want to come to work for you in droves and want to stay working for you for a long time, right? Because they feel that you're truly there to support their growth and development. And that's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. That It's helpful for me to hear too. <laughs> I have one other metaphor, just because I love metaphors that I like to use. I use this early on when I first stepped into a leadership role and was thinking of the kind of leader that I wanted to be and thought of myself as like a gardener. And my role is just to nurture the seeds and make sure that they have the right environment and the right resources to succeed. You have the dirt, you have the water, you have the sunshine, and I'm just supposed to tend to them. And people walking by, once you see these beautiful flowers bloom, they're not going to talk to the gardener or like see the gardener. The gardener's kind of in the background they're going to admire these flowers and really enjoy, you know, what was created. And I, and the flowers get to be the, the center of it all. That kind of helps me remember where my place is and like what, what the purpose of what I do is. That's a, such a powerful metaphor right there. I love it. And you know, your, your garden might be a tiny three by three plot. Or the garden could be a 10 by 10 plot. Or maybe in future, you know, the garden is a thousand by a thousand plot, right? The same principle applies. And as long as you're in that place of feeling as if you're the gardener and making sure that the seeds get the right environment, the dirt, the water, the sunshine, you can make a garden of any size grow. That's the best, absolute best part. Love that. So well done. That's a fa another fantastic metaphor. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I love metaphors. <laughs> I, I live for them. But yeah, that was the personal side of things. In terms of the professional side of things, of actually like the differences in going from being a director at a small startup to being a director at a larger company, like my focus kind of shifted. At the smaller company, it was all about, okay, there isn't a lot that exists. There's a lot of ambiguity and, and a lot of clarity that needs to be created, a lot of process that needs to be created. How do we refine that process and how do we like build? So there's a lot of building and executing and moving quickly. At a larger organization at this one, there are tons of processes that already exist. So the onboarding process was extremely robust. It wasn't just me coming into a company and having to figure out who to talk to and ask questions to understand the business. It was very much like, this is the business. These are our customers. Here is what you do. 
granted, we didn't have a specific manager training at the time, but I started on the same day as a couple of my CSMs, actually. So that was an interesting experience in and of itself. As I've gotten to know this role, it's been a little over a year now. I'm finding that like my, my main focus is more, how do I remove blockers for my team? Um, how can I stay on top of what's happening and what, what my team's needs are and either get buy-in or influence or get resources and work cross-departmentally with other leaders of other departments in order to drive results for my team? That's been a big shift because it obviously takes a little bit longer to execute on anything, considering there are multiple players. For example, at my last company, if I wanted to create you know, a resource for clients, it was like, okay, let me hop into Canva and create it real quick. And then boom, you have it. Like idea to material output was quick. And then we could test it, see if we got results and iterate on it. At this company, we have an entire department that works on enablement and helps with that kind of stuff. It requires me to have several conversations of understanding first. And, you know, my, my current boss, he's checked me on this a couple of times where rather than presenting ideas, I have to kind of take a step back and ask, oh, well, what is the current state of things? Like, what are you guys working on and what's, what's being considered already? And then maybe suggesting that this is kind of what I've been thinking about seeing if that resonates and then moving forward with, okay, if I really want to drive this outcome, how do I make sure that I'm getting that level of excitement and buying from the team in order to move things forward? So I work closely with the ops team to do a lot of this kind of stuff and it's led to some pretty cool outcomes. That's wonderful. And the, you know, I love just seeing the difference and not not that many leaders have had the experience of going from the extremes, from one ex- from a less than 50 to several thousand person organization. And while the organizations are different, as you've laid out here in, in the kind of the processes and the, the way you go about interacting to get things done, the timelines are different, the interactions are different, all those pieces. What I'm hearing, though, is the, the same fundamental leadership side and coaching skills side stays the same right? Yeah. <laughs> it's about accepting you don't have the answers. It's about just like with the, the enablement team asking first, what are you working on? What are the other things going on? So assuming that you don't know the thing they should be working on, <laughs> right? Checking your own needs and ego at the door and just asking and being curious, hey, what are you developing for this team in the future? And then figuring out how does your ask actually integrate into that? And same thing with your team, right? Whether you're inspiring someone in the team in the small company is the exact same thing you're doing to inspire the team in the big company. You're accepting you don't have the answer. You have some ideas. You want to talk and find out who else has thought about this, who else has ideas. And then together you can come up with a plan to put it into action. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, when I love being a leadership coach, of course, getting to work with individuals like yourself and seeing that the consistent thing, regardless of in your small company, early stage, growth stage, scale stage, public, private, PE backed, bootstrapped, whatever it is, leadership principles remain 100% exactly the same. And if you have those skills in the small environment, you can succeed in the large environment and vice versa and everywhere up and down in between. It's just a different application of those skills. I'm curious for your thoughts on now reflecting and looking back at these two experiences from that leadership lens. 
I love everything that you just said, because there definitely are a ton of similarities. Everything that I learned and practiced and got to experience at the smaller company, I've definitely brought into the larger company. There are some things where because it was such a small, quick moving process at my last company, like I can kind of take a similar approach with my team because my team I can see as like a small organization and we can kind of move forward with things. Like the things that I've really tried to focus on like early on at this company was really sort of creating that team identity that you taught me at the last company, which was super important. Even though at the last company, I needed to create that team identity and go through those exercises that you coached us on in order to gain trust and build a sense of like, oh, this is, this might sound weird, but I am your leader now. Kind of establish like, I'm your leader, but as your servant, I'm here to support you and make sure you're successful. Even though it was for that purpose at my last company, at this company, I still had to go through that same process of building that team identity and understanding and illuminating what are all of your unique strengths? What do you feel like being a part of this team means? What kinds of behaviors do we stand for? What kinds don't we? What is expected in terms of like being part of this team's DNA? And praising the stuff that, that I see that's in line with that and maybe having conversations on the side about things that don't align with that. The outcome was essentially like what I had to do was essentially the same, even though it was for different purposes. It was still massively valuable and I think creates pride within our little unit, our little organization within the larger organization. So yeah, there's a ton of transferability for sure. I love that because in my recommendation to leaders all the time is to first focus on what you control. Sometimes we've talked about this concept of identity to leaders and it's like, well, you know, our whole department have to get everybody bought in. <laughs> the reality is you don't, right? Focus first. Any In any change event, any change effort you're ever going to do, focus on what you control first. And if you create what you want inside of that, and you get tremendous results, then by all means, you can share it with others. But do not wait for others to do something just so that you can have the benefit of it, right? It's about taking control. And you've done an exceptional job with that. Creating a team identity is one of the most important ways to bring a group together. And as you said, say, listen, I happen to be the leader of this team, but this is what this team stands for. We're all in this together. And it is the single greatest way to take yourself out of the focal point and just truly align and agree with the team that we're all going to hold each other accountable to this. I just happen to be in the leadership position in this particular point in time, and maybe they will get into it in the future, right? But it's there. It's a foundation. It's clear. Expectations. What does it mean to be part of this team? And when you do that, people notice, right? Because your team will behave and act differently than every other team that's just kind of going through the motions and doing that sort of thing. And again, this is all comes back to taking a structured approach to developing your leadership skills is there's a step-by-step -step process that I go through and I teach in the B2B Leaders Academy that we went through in our program and to go step-by-step -step on how to build a team identity step-by-step -step on how to develop coaching skills, how to master your time, how to overcome imposter syndrome, all the fun stuff, a million different little topics. But if there's step-by-step -step guidance and you can follow a structured path, then you get tremendous results. Absolutely. I think another thing that really helped at the time in terms of the structure was having the focus areas. So as an individual, what was very helpful for me was being able to establish, okay, for one month or one quarter, I'm going to focus on this particular aspect of leadership. And it gave me a very concrete sense of 
things that I could do to flex that area. If it was like gaining team trust, for example, or building team identity, it was very concrete steps that I needed to take in order to produce a certain outcome or desired result. And then I can move on to the next thing. And I think that is so incredibly important and something that, like I mentioned with my CSM who brought up this idea for a bulletin board for our team, the thing that she called out was most impactful for her was a slide that I have in our our weekly team meeting deck that outlines what those top focal areas are. And even at my last company, it was always like, okay, what, what are the top three things we're focused on this week? For myself with my boss every week, it's like, okay, these are my top three priorities. I think developing that focus is so crucial. And that's something huge that I got out of working as part of the coaching group. Love it. And that's where it's all at. The world of leadership is big and broad, and I totally get that. But when we chunk it down into pieces and look at very specific, discrete areas, then follow a step-by-step process with focusing on one area for a month or perhaps a couple months, then you can make tremendous and consistent progress. That's what it's all about, right? And that's what is in the B2B Leaders Academy program. It's what I've done with Melissa. It's what I've done with countless other leaders as well. So if you'd like to learn more, get in touch with me or just go to B2B, letter B, number two, letter B, leadersacademy.com. Melissa, this has been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. I'm so thoroughly impressed with all of your work that you've done, both when we're working directly together and inside of your this organization. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. What it's like to be a leader inside a smaller company, inside of a larger company. And I'm so glad you found that inspiration to bring back in and take full control of your team. And I just know that you guys are going to knock it out of the park because when leaders dedicate themselves like you do to that, great things happen. I super appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, the work that we've done together has definitely had rippling impact, resonating impact, however you want to say it. And I just super appreciate all the work that we've done and appreciate all your kind words. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Melissa. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.